Okay, hello folks, Aaron Pennerberg here with All Things HEMA. So what we're doing is, as part of the Historical Fencing Affiliates rank structure, we are having a debate. This debate has to do with the idea of having a master rank. Certainly, we've talked about it uh, previously in some of the episodes, but um, there's a lot of kind of emotional baggage that goes along with this kind of concept. And as, as a group, of a number of different HFA organizations that are represented here. A lot of leaders and stuff. We've got uh, George Acropolis on Skype. We're gonna have Gene Cost on Skype. We have Brian Pope here from Minnesota. We've got all the uh, chapters represented for the Wisconsin Historical Fencing Association. And uh, really on the New Jersey Historical Fencing Association, they are quite these here as well. And so what we're trying to do is just have a discussion, have an open and honest discussion, really talk about why this, this is something we're trying to explore. So, no sponsors today, we'll just get right into it. Jeremiah. All right, folks. Um, so this is kind of the, for the purpose of the podcast, whenever you feel like you wanna weigh in, just make sure that you yell and really project. These are great microphones, but we are pretty far away from them, okay? So the purpose of the conference, like we covered, is, is getting to know each other and having a conversation. And this today, the, uh, the first topic ahead of us right now is the concept of the master rank. There's been a lot of discussion about this concept over the years. And so we're going to start off with a discussion about that. Um, people who don't care about rank, you might not have a lot to say on it, however, there are maybe one or two people who are rather opinionated on the concept of the master rank. So that's what we're going to start. And then we're going to work on through the rest of the, uh, the questions that were submitted ahead of time for uh, roundtable discussion. The value, again, all of us weighing in on this stuff together. So if you have an opinion, we'll try and use a little bit of order as we, as we talk about it. But please weigh in if you've got an opinion, okay? So the concept of the master rank that has come up before is, do we define it? Do we not define it? Do we have the right to define it? And I guess what I'd like to do, if I can throw somebody out there who has a strong opinion, I'd like to, I'm gonna introduce Eric White and have him speak uh, first, and then we'll, we'll go from there, okay? Eric, please. Thank you very much. Um, to start with, I think it's best that we recognize that the activity that we do is a living tradition. We are alive, we are interpreting these historical manuals, we are working towards not only understanding what the manuals are saying, but we're also working towards understanding what they're not saying. What have they failed to say? What have they not given much time and effort to? What have they given short shrift to? So all of those endeavors that we do as historical reconstructionists make the art alive. It's not from a dead or inert book. What we do is actually living. So with that argument in mind, I think it's very prescient uh, to consider the fact that many folks in this art will gain a certain skill set not only in the actual techniques and philosophical understandings that underpin the art, but also in how to teach it. In other words, the art itself will grow. 
not just in numbers of practitioners, but the art is going to grow in understanding. The philosophical underpinnings will increase. And I think it's really important that we recognize that the masters, the historical masters, are not trying to write the only book on fencing when they write their manual. It's not the only book. That's why there's a tradition involved, why the tradition spanned hundreds of years. Because each master was giving their perspective on the art at the moment. And there is really, as far as I can tell, no reason to believe that tradition cannot continue. So, I think I'll leave that there. It's a synopsis of many months or years, actually, at this point of conversation, um, at least from my, from my perspective. So I'd love to open the floor, or Jeremiah, wherever you wish to take Maybe this. Maybe get uh, George to talk, like, so if he's got to go or something, lose him, he's yeah. got at least a chance to explain. George, were you able to hear all that? Yeah. Okay, do you, have, do you have thoughts on that that you'd like to share? The thing with the master and Hima, uh, we have talked about before in the college meet, in the college uh, correspondence a year ago, I remember right. Uh, the way that Eric faces the master, uh, it's, it makes sense. What we do is actually, in my opinion, a modern thing. Based on historical sources, yes, but it's modern. We dress differently, we eat differently, uh, we move differently, we drive cars. So what we have at Hima is a modern thing based on historical sources. That's why we call it historical. Uh, the problem with the master run is that we have to realize that if we are to define a master run, we are not defining the master in the mountain. Okay, we are not defining a guy like in the Kill Bill movies, who is in the mountain and walks on the air and stuff like that. Because <laughs> when you say master in the general sense of the Oriental art, the common man has a, in his mind something like that, which actually is not. Uh, even the masters of the past, the one we call masters, because some of them were masters at the court, some of them wrote a book, etc., etc. Et uh, I don't think that they were doing it this way. They were doing it, the master was a very capable teacher, first of all, who has proven that he's able to teach well. Maybe he wrote a that he had a school, that means not only teaching, but administrating a school, and that he was teaching fencing, like most of us do. Uh, in the beginning of this master thing, because it's a sensitive issue in Hima, uh, I was totally against it. Uh, not define a master because it would, call, it would uh, create political issues in the Hema field. But, Sport fencing is called master. They say much the arts, and they are just the defined coaches. So why not us who are doing research, study, teaching, fencing, not certifying our own masters within our association, our school, or something like that? <coughs> so I guess, yes, I'm a, I agree with that. We should define this and move forward. 
Excellent. Thank you, George. Let's get Gene out here. Hey, Gene, were you able to hear a lot of what uh, what George was saying? <laughs> Somebody give me the Reader's Digest version. Uh, I think I think uh, this is going to be a horrible oversimplification, George. So please excuse that. But the the point that he said is that in the sport fencing community, they have masters. And um, at the end, he said, "Why not us, who are in the history and studying it? Why why should we not have have a master rank as well?" So that is Extreme Reader's Digest, the, basically the last point that George made. Okay. Well, I mean, it's a, I mean, we've gone around and around and around on this for a while. Um, here's my two thoughts on this. I mean, the first thought is, when you talk about that within the sports fencing system, you're talking about someone who has achieved a series of goals within a very limited, limited paradigm, and that is the sports fencing curriculum, whether it's Epay, foil, saber, what have you. And also, the term master in the sport fencing world has a near universal definition of what it creates. I already had to reach that goal. So when you say you're a master of sport fencing, you, somebody in the same community, by the International Olympic standards, would say, okay, this is, there. if he's a master and he has credentials to say he's a master, therefore he's done. ABC, XYZ, so I can take it on simply as word of word and this certificate here which says that he's reached that. So with the sport fencing community, you're talking about a very narrow band of goals which have been achieved and those goals are accepted by the, once again, the International Olympic Committee and the sport fencing community. Um, so if, by that same token, if this same fencing master says, okay, well now the because I'm a sport fencer, I can also do historical fence. We all know that's a load of nonsense, and we won't buy it. Um, and second, I know we've talked about this before, the, the baggage that comes with the word master. Now, unfortunately, that's an English language thing. I mean, if you were to talk any of the romance language, you'd say maestro, and they'll know exactly what you're talking about. And there's no baggage attached to that. It simply means teacher, or you know, sensei, that simply means teacher in Japanese. Um, but there's a lot of connotations and baggage that comes with the word master in English, which unfortunately we have to deal with as a community. So if somebody's going to declare himself a master, or even if there's a built-in, well, built-in is the wrong word, even if there's a series of goals that a person has to get to, to go through, to get to that right within an organization, or any organization for that matter, which um, has a series of steps which are clearly something that has to be reached and has to be worked for and can't be given overnight, the question still remains, how will that be viewed by the rest of the community? Now, of course, we can always tell the rest of the community to go to hell and we'll do what we want, but we still <laughs> are dealing with this baggage that uh, we, I don't know how you get over that. I just don't know. And um, I'm speaking here also as someone who, before I got to fencing, I spent many, many, many years in Taekwondo, and the term master had a certain pejorative um, meaning which, you know, one ranking organization would say you're a master, another one wouldn't, so that left us a lot of room for discussion as well as argument. And second, you know, for what it's worth, and I hate to keep dredging this up, but there are people in our community, not the, not our community, but the international historical fencing world, which will use that title, and we all know it's nonsense. So those are my concerns regarding
Yeah, I think I think you're really valid. I I, I personally I see where both George and Gene uh, uh, and early. I see how how Eric's point is with, but we have a living tradition, and and I I think I don't think we can get over that. Uh, and I don't think we can overstate that either, that it is living and it's something that, that we're creating at this moment. Um, and we're not creating it just for us. We're creating it for the people who come after us. We're fighting that battle for, um, let's pick on Henry because he's one of the youngest ones, you know. Henry should be able to, if, if he so desires, he should be able to dream and attain something that would ostensibly be the highest rank and the recognized uh, recognized as such an extreme practitioner. And if we and spend our time more when you finish. Okay. When we when we hold that as worried about what the other guys say and so we don't want to do that, I, I think that's a it, it's a good point to bring up, but I don't think that's enough to stop us. I think what's of, of great importance is to say we get to define this. We get to we get to recreate it in the way that in the culture that we want to do it. And the thing is, it's not like just one of us jumps up and says, "Hey, I'm a master." It's you know, as the HFA, if we come together as an organization and say these are the criterion that you have to complete, we're creating that system. We're creating that narrow. Feel like you were saying that if you fit into this, then you can be that. Um, George, your thoughts? Uh, first of all, the community is already ranking masters. Okay, you have to know that. Uh, Portugal, uh, Spain, Italy, they are ranking masters. They are using the word maestro or yeah. master. Okay. And I know people who have to try. Good people that deserve the rank. But they. They have, so it's not a matter of that something that is not happening in the community right now. It is happening for quite, uh, I'd say, at least five years. Um, uh, second, if we look at charters, uh, already the provost has the most. Uh, things that the master needs. The master just has a couple of bit more. Uh, and our ranking is valid within HFA. Yeah, this is important. Uh, George, what did you say there? Someone got uh, a, ma a master degree from the Federation, because in, in Europe we have federations. Yeah. Uh, his uh, uh, rank is worth only for his federation. It doesn't mean that he's a master of everything. Okay, he is a master in a very specific thing that he's doing well, mm -hmm. supposedly. Uh, so, I think the important uh, issue is here the meaning we give to the word master. Because back in the day, master was just the head of the school. Nothing more, nothing less. We have uh, made, uh, let's say, the masters of the old, we, we have given them a very, very high pro 
said, but I need to speak louder. <laughs> uh, a couple of things that I think are important for us to think about. Uh, again, I think as George says, people are already giving out the rank. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not like it's uncommon. And if we have a large enough group of people and we do a good job of deciding what our criteria is, we can start to define what that actually looks like. We can, we can be part of the conversation decide what a master really is. I think one thing that the Olympic side does really well with, with ranking is they, they make a differentiation between uh, a provo and a, and a master. And the, the provo really is working on teaching fighters primarily, and a master has the added responsibility of training coaches. Right? So they've got to have a much deeper understanding of pedagogy, and they have to understand how to develop people develop other people. I think uh, that would be a really strong thing for us to look at doing. Um, another thing, I, I hear, I mean, and I've kind of changed my mind about this over the last 10 years or so. I'm a lot more, I, I think we should have a master rank for sure. Um, initially, I was a lot more worried about what other groups would think if we came up with a master rank. Like, would they see it as legitimate, and, and then I kind of got over that, is I, I thought about all of the people that I know that are masters, right? I, I know a bunch of master craftsmen, I know a bunch of master teachers, I know a bunch of people that have reached a mastery level, and what it means is they're kind of at the top of their game, and they're excellent, and they're taking journeymen, they're teaching people, they're continuing the craft. It doesn't give them some kind of arbitrary laurel with the Respond, but they're they're still working, uh, working people, and I think if we think about it that way, it's a really strong position. You say, well, in our group, <coughs> the master is this. The master is continuing to develop, right? It's not an end point. It's kind of like getting a black belt, right? When you get a black belt, then you can finally start really understanding things. So I think it's definitely worth our consideration. I'll add my. Uh, two cents in this at this point. I was also, when this first came up, I was also very against the whole idea because I was overly, I think, concerned about this sense of legitimacy in terms of other people's eyes. What I started, I think, realizing and changing my, my opinion about this is that even though that's a valid concern and it's something we need to be cautious of and careful of, 
really, where does that legitimacy come from? It comes from us, right? It comes from you as a practitioner, us as an organization, and an, as an affiliation. So that's where that legitimacy is going to ultimately come from. In other words, we don't have to rely upon other people's opinions to make sure that we feel good about what we are doing. When we're genuine about it, we know that we're approaching it in the right way. It's not ego-driven. It's not a cult of personality type of um, thing. It's, it's done with certain standards in mind that we've all agreed are going to be the standard. Whenever something like this comes up, <clears throat> I always like to make like quick little lists, like yes, no, and then question mark, right? And under yes, I have these, these quick bullet points. Uh, the first one is that reestablishment of the living practice. <laughs> if that's really going to be our genuine focus, if we are going to take that as a mission statement and say, we are looking to recreate this in a living tradition, no longer look at it as a dead thing, no longer look at it as something that's preserved in amber and we're never really going to be able to touch, but something that's evolving, something that's changing, something that's constantly being uh, worked on, that, that is a living enterprise. And so just addressing it in those terms and, and redefining it in our mind as even though it's historical, even though we're trying to work towards a historical standard, we're doing it as a living entity. So you know there are going to be differences of opinions in terms of techniques and tactics, but certainly not in terms of how to make the best club. Like we, today, this morning, we talked about the different ideas of how to, how to make a club and how to provide a, a good you know, sense of a club atmosphere. And you know, like Brandon's ideas and my ideas are almost seamless. They're almost the same kind of concept. And his club is very successful and we've been very successful. So it's one of those things where we can see what the standard of a good, successful HEMA club looks like. And now we can say who's, who's running that, who's, who's mastered that idea, right? Uh, it also allows for permission to progress. In other words, we are saying, like I said, we have masters and this is what they've accomplished. And all of us are standing behind that statement because we've defined it ahead of time. These are what the standards are. That person has met those standards. They are a master. We don't need to apologize to anybody for that. We, need, we don't need to worry about their opinions. All we need to say is this is the standard, and they've met it, and we all agree to that. It's also like for Henry, for people who are coming up, for people who are looking towards the future of driving their own club someday, it's also that benchmark for that future. Because like, like you said, we're fighting that fight for them. So we're creating something, a space for them to, to build towards, right? And I think if it was left out, it would be one of those things that's incomplete, right? We'd, pass it, we'd be passing on an incomplete space for them to occupy. And, and honestly, I don't want that on my conscience, right? I want to be able to look back and say, I left something that's complete, that's finished, and now people can take it and run with it. Um, and then finally, um, it's also about giving credit, though, if we're honest about it, right? So if you, if you dedicate your life to HEMA, and you're running your own club, and you have this success, don't you deserve that term master? I mean, in some way, it's like you have mastered the idea of running a club. You have mastered the idea of teaching. And, and so, so therefore, to say you're not a master is kind of a slap in the face if you think about it. We're not all going to be young all the time, right, forever. We're going to get older. So as you get older, right, you're a little less capable of some of the physical attributes. Well, what's left behind that for people to look at you and say like, oh, he's a, you know, he, he ran a school, well, he's a provost, and now he can't fence anymore, but we don't really need to pay attention to all that stuff that he says anymore, right? But if you're like a master, that, that means something, right? And so here's master, right? So let's listen to the master, what the master has to say about this kind of stuff. 
doesn't mean you may you know follow those rules or those ideas, but it means there's a little added incentive to say this is the master of the school. You know, I would listen. Like, well, that, that obviously means something, and it's something that doesn't have to be explained. If I have to sit here and explain, like, well, I'm a provost, well, what does that mean to the to the uninitiated? Well, it means I did this, 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 right? I say I'm a master, like, oh, no problem. They all, they always understand it like this. So, uh, as far as no, I put three things, and that's the community backlash, um, also egos. You know, somebody becomes a master. We gotta make sure that it's not done in, in that like cult of personality vein. We have to make sure that it's earned, right? Um, and then just the standards have been met. Um, and that's the thing that we're gonna have to work out. And I think it, I see it as the biggest hurdle now as we're seemingly going forward with this idea in terms of what we're gonna define as a master. Who is going to declare that, right? And if you think about it, like when a new club comes into the HFA, it's a huge hurdle to try and figure out how they plug into that rank structure. You know, if we have a lead instructor who's running a club for 10, 12 years, and then they come into the HFA, where do we plug them in the rank structure that's not insulting, right? Because you think about all that time, all that energy as we talked about this morning, you don't start that person on the bottom rung. So it's always one of those things where the first is gonna be the hardest, right, in a way. Because a bunch of us are going to have to say, this, this person is the master. Well, who, who declared that? Well, a group of provosts. Okay, that's one answer to that problem. But that is going to be a hurdle we're going to have to address. So, so that's really where I'm at. I mean, as far as going forward, I'm really in favor of it. I think it's a good idea. I think it uh, speaks to everything that we are trying to accomplish. And that's where I'm at. I think if you want to wrap something up, and I think it's a two important points. So the sky. First of all, there are good masters, they were, and they're always are, good masters and bad masters. <laughs> but still, they were masters. Like bad instructors, they good instructors. <clears throat> so, the master thing uh, is a title that signifies some things, but doesn't guarantee that this master will perform well. <laughs> I know it first can. So let's not uh, go with that at all. Yes, some people may in the future, because now we are few, in 20 years maybe there are 100 clubs in HFA, and we cannot uh, uh, have the constant quality test for everybody. Some may be bad. But still, they were running a school under the HFA. <coughs> uh, and yes, I agree with Aaron that the community, for me, what they say is no issue. No issue at all. Because in the community, since we don't have a structure as a community in general, everybody says what he wants. At least in HFA, we can have some standards like in the guarantee 11, the best but a decent one. And I think, yes, we will go forward with the master the master. So, <coughs> just to backtrack to something that Aaron said a moment ago, a thing that I think is really important, uh, there are a number of 
arts that I've seen where you know, there isn't a criteria necessarily that you have to gain to become a master. What you have to do is convince the other guys that are mad. I mean, they, you don't ever go and try to become a master. You train, and then eventually all the masters are like, yep, he's one. Right? And, it's, and it usually comes after years and years. You know, you get past learning how to do everything. You get past understanding how to teach things. And then you start to, to develop the art. Right? And when they see you developing the art and, you know, maybe doing something to further where, where the art is right now, then they say, yeah, he's, he's reached the level. I think if we finesse something like that, where we, where we can come up with what our indicators are, like what are the things that we want to look to see and say, yep, this person's got this, this, and this, and I think, you know, I think that they're on their way to getting to be a master. That, that has legitimacy itself. I think everybody that's been around for a long time that knows what it's like and that knows the work identifies somebody and says, yeah, that person's got it. I think there's automatic legitimacy or something like that. I think you're right on point with that. And, I, and that directly combats the whole, uh, George, I wrote that down. Hema is a cesspool of egos. I'm going to quote you on that <laughs> for many years to come. Can we put that in a t-shirt? <laughs> we can get it on a t-shirt. <laughs> but I think the, the concept of especially the, the guild system, and that's where we get the idea of master journey and all that kind of stuff, master was recognized by the other people. And so when we are talking about defining the rank and recognizing it as an association, affiliation, we're directly combating the cesspool of egos. We're, we're working against that to a certain degree, um, but also legitimizing our own reference because it's not, it's not that, you know, John Charles says, I'm a master, and everybody's like, okay. It's, he says, I think I, can, I think I meet the qualifications. What do you guys think? And then we look at his, his credentials and say, yeah or no. You know, so I, I think you're right on point with that. I, I, I agree. James, you're another longtime practitioner. Do you have thoughts on this? That are child appropriate to So the first thing that comes to my mind is there are stand like okay we're all doing this different HEMA right we're all studying these different sources we all have a different idea about what it is to study sources you know some people they want to study all the sources of a particular weapon some people want to study like one sort like just like I know this source and some people want to study one master and all of his weapons. And, and, and there's, no right, there's no right or wrong answer to that, I believe. I don't believe that there's a right or wrong approach to how we do this thing that's called HEMA. I don't think there's a, you know, a, correct, a correct way. So if we decide, okay, there's a master, like the HFA, we, we have masters, right? What does that mean? Does that mean that this guy who knows his master, you know, his historical source, word for word, and he's able to execute all that stuff. Is he a master, or is it the guy who knows, like basically knows all of the longsword sources, or all of the sword and buckle? 
you know what I mean? Or really good at bolognese rapier, or really good at Italian, Italian rapier, you know? So I'm interested in the idea of having a master, but I, I'm not interested in an idea of, of, of being becoming so specific with, with regards to that question, because it just doesn't make sense to me. Like I, we have all these different people who are, who are approaching it all these different ways, and what we know is that none of these like ways are, are perfectly right. We know that they just all lead to different levels of excellence. So that's the one thing that's coming to mind. The next thing that's coming to mind is the idea of masters deciding, okay, this is a, he's a master. Like we know, like we all know, we're all in the club, and we get it. He's in the club with us, right? That it makes me a little precautious. Um, one of the reasons, you know, and it's about credibility, right? So if, if we're concerned with our credibility as an organization, then we're going to be careful with who we do that, you know, who we decide is going to be a master. Um, but like historically, the guild would be really careful because their livelihood depended on it. You know what I'm saying? So, so there was an added check on making sure that people really earned it. Because when the guild said you were a master, you have to be able to do what a master does, or else the guild is the, the entire credibility of the guild is undermined. And if you're living in a, a, a you know uh, your uh, imperial free city, and your guild all of a sudden has a credibility, then your status as a guild is put into question, right? You know, it's like you no longer get to be the monopoly on candle making, right? <laughs> so like, we don't have that. We don't we don't have that issue. We don't have that check. So that's something I'm thinking about. I like the idea of unanimous consent. This is just something that I'm thinking, right? So I don't know, this is like, if I was gonna send an email later when we all decide, whatever we're gonna decide, I might say what I just said, and then say, I like the idea of unanimous consent. Um, I think one way I envision it all going down is the provosts come together and say, you know what, we think this guy's a master, right? And then the provosts put it to the college and say, we think this guy's a master. And the college decides, yeah, he earned it. And if one guy in the college, whether he's got a chip on his shoulder, you know, just for the, the, the check, that added, that added check on the, on the process, if one guy decides, whether it be because he's got a legitimate claim or just because he's got a chip on his shoulder, whatever, whatever the case may be, it's like, you know, I don't, I don't think so. Okay, you know, try again next year or whatever, until you can get until you can get that thing. And then I feel like if that's the way that we did it, I don't think there'd be any question about the credibility of the master. That's just and that's just an idea, right? My, my, this isn't this is like what I got rattling in my brain sure. um, as you guys are talking. Um, it, you know, I would be wary. One last thing, I'd be wary of the masters. Uh, like, let's say we have a master. And now it's up to the master to decide who the other masters are. I think it's better as a community if we put it on the practitioners in some way. So that might be the college or whatever, right? So it's like we all as students recognize that guy's a master, right? And then we don't have to, we don't have to worry about the question of, you know, well, he only studies bolognese. How is he a master? He doesn't even do long stuff. You know, you know what I mean? Like, we all know he's a man. You know, you know what I'm saying? We know because we know, 
right? Because when you talk to the guy, the guy knows what he's doing, and when he fences, you can see he's a master, right? As students, if we make that call, I think it adds a little bit more weight to it. That's basically what I got to say. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Can I address one portion of that? Dr. Tim? Yes. I may address what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so, to start with the whole thing, you know, we have what the other schools think. Since we started this conversation, I've actually reached out to a number of other groups that aren't affiliated with us at all. And every single one of them says, if you define what it is, I don't think anybody's gonna say anything about it. They're not gonna care. They're gonna see a rank structure and they're gonna say, okay, you have to define rank what it is, that's fine. As George has said, other schools are already using the rank. So the fact that we use the rank of master in the HEMA community as a whole means nothing. It's a defined rank. The HEMA community is not going to care. As much as we like to think and moan and say, oh, it's a historical term, they're going to care. They're not going to care. They're going to care if we don't have it defined of what a rank is. Yeah, absolutely. If I just arbitrarily call Sean a master today, they're gonna say, just like they did with Ken, when they basically crucified Ken because the Olympic Committee said he's a master in HEMA, and we all said no, right? That didn't mean anything at that point in time. It's not gonna matter if we have a defining statement of it is. The other part of that is right now is not kind of the time to decide what that definition is. Right now we're trying to decide is it worth defining what that rank is. I think on the whole, most of us are under the, set, under the belief that it's worth defining what that rank is going to be. That definition of what the rank is going to be is going to be a much bigger conversation in the whole, and I imagine there's going to be a lot more gnashing of teeth and everything else going on with that. Uh, to go into what James was saying about, you know, defining the rank and having the provost call, or the provost decide this is it is and put it out to the college, and if one naysay says no, it's not, I would add one caveat to that, just kind of to go back on what I just said, and that if you vote a no, you have to decide, you have to define why it's a no. That way we get away from the cult of personality or the ego, it's a no because X, Y, Z. Because so, if you just say no, then the person who's trying to put in for it has no idea why you said no. And they say no because I don't think you've achieved this. And then the next year he comes up and he's achieved that. Well, you can't use that as a no anymore. <laughs> so now you have to define another reason of why it's a no that you didn't define before. Um, hold on, Jay. Uh, Eric, did you have a... Yeah, just one, one quick comment on what James Riley uh, mentioned earlier. When the concern about content, are you a master of content? Have you studied one master or the breadth of all longsword masters or Bolognese or Italian rapier? I think we can probably put that fear to bed just by saying it doesn't matter. In other words, the content comes up in our rank structure way earlier yeah. than master. Right, so if you look at, for example, Free Scholar Adept, Free Scholar Adept has proven that they have an understanding of a, of a weapon system outside of the longsword, because the longsword's the foundation of it, and so they can then play their prize in that. And, uh, by the time they become a provost, a provost is supposed to demonstrate a proficiency in multiple weapons. So as far as content is concerned, if I am all hot about MS3227A and only 3227A. By the time of my master rank, potentially, and I'm just using this as an example, by the way, uh, I, I have essentially shown a wider breadth of knowledge than a single manuscript already. 
So I, I think we can, we can probably not worry so much about master of content rather than a master of being effectively uh, a master teacher in the school. And, and, and committing yourself to actually not only promoting HEMA, but expanding it too. That the, the ideas and the new creative ways in which you approach HEMA actually expand the art and keep it going in interesting ways, rather than, than trying to just solidify uh, or ossify some historical aspect and, and therefore make it stagnant. So I, I think the master of content issue is not much of an issue when you consider the actual rank structure as a whole. Yeah, one, one thing I'd like to piggyback on that is that if you, if you look at what we have in place already and then look around the room and see all the, all the work that's being done, or all the skills that are being developed, all the differences and the variables in terms of what we actually study and what we're passionate about. I mean, in this, in this room alone is a great example of this document working, right? So it is already in place that we have that that variable built into it, that you could be a master of Meyer's book, right? And you could take that through and develop a school which just focuses on Meyer, and then develop teachers out of that school. And th those things are already recognized, right? So it would just be a natural extension of that, of that idea. So if, you know, if I looked around this room and I saw a whole bunch of people that were just doing longsword in the style of Aaron Pennenberg, I'd be like, eh, this, this is probably not working. <laughs> right, because there's really no no change. There's no variance. There's no individual passion that's being put into it. But instead, I look around the room and I see all this skill building of stuff that I have no idea about. Right, Aaron, that's not true. I do whatever you say. I follow every word you say. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Gene. Thank you. I'll send you the money. I'll send you the money later. <laughs> but no, it's it's you know. That's why I'm so proud of what we built, is because it really is functional, and it's really alive, right? And you just well, look at each other's faces. Look at each other's faces to see that that's the truth, right? <laughs> Thank well, you. Let me just start this out there and play devil's advocate for a minute. Look, everyone here has brought up a very good point, which is, I trust the people in this room, even though I'm not there, but I, if Aaron tells me this guy knows what he's doing, I will take it on faith. Um, and, you know, we can all point to different examples. Here's the situation. Let's assume that we're at a tournament, we're at an event, what have you, and we've gone through somebody who's now ranked as a master. Somebody comes up to you and says, hey, you told me that this Pinnenberg guy is a master. What does that mean? Why is he a master? What would be your response? Talking to me? <laughs> I'm just addressing the room. Well, yeah. I think that's what the next step in this conversation is. That's the issue. Define what the master is and then how the master becomes. That's the thing, two things we have to define. Yeah. Did you get that, Dean? Yeah, I got it. Okay. Actually, it brings up the, something I hadn't really thought about until actually I was in this room with somebody. I think as a group, the HFA wants to have masters, whether it knows it or not, because at a certain point, we need to have exemplars. We need to be able to say, if you want to do HEMA, you want to look for an HFA school because we can show you exactly what's going to happen. Right? We've got these, we have these people titled master, 
And if they're called a master, that means these things, right? They, yeah. Not only do they know the arts, they're not just good fighters, they can teach you the art, and they're doing something to further the art themselves. If we have exemplars, it's gonna be easier for us to continue to develop. If we don't have exemplars, we're gonna end up necessarily, I think, with, again, cult of personality. We'll have some people that are uh, very charismatic, or some people that are really excellent teachers, and they will become the beacons, right? And then it's really hard to grow the art off of that, because when they're gone, there's nothing left, right? If you have masters and say, and you know, get their picture up on the wall or whatever and say, he's a master, he did these things. This is the article that he wrote about that. Glad you asked me about that. Here's his dissertation, mm -hmm. right? Or here's the, you know, here's the way she developed this. It makes us stronger as an organization. So we shouldn't think of it necessarily as something that people do for themselves. It should be something that, as a group, we're doing for the group. I like that thought. Yeah. <laughs> Joe. So going off of what, uh, so going off of what George said, is how do we define the rank of master? Is it a rank of achievement? Is it a title of recognition? Or is it a commodity of scarcity? Do we limit the number of masters we have? Or do we just put a certain threshold of achievement and say, whoever gets to this point can be master? The follow-on question would be, what do we expect of people who attain that master rank? And I think that last sentence you said is incredibly important. What do we expect of people who attain a master rank? So I kind of look a lot of this, if you, anybody who's ever trained jujitsu, I can take a lot of what we do, because our skill structure actually piggybacks their skills, our rank structure pretty, pretty closely, as far as how many ranks there are and all of that. The only thing we're missing is the master. Jiu-Jitsu's define that in what's known as a red belt. As of right now, I think there might be six or seven red belts in the world. And it's a rank that is granted based on total lifetime achievement as a teacher, as a mentor, not necessarily as a competitor, because most of them were never actually competitors to begin with, but there are people who've done something to further the art as a whole. You, you achieve a red belt based on that skill, and like I said, there's only a couple of them, and it's a lifetime achievement skill. Nobody goes into that art going, I'm gonna be a red belt one day, because the odds of it actually happening are actually fairly rare. But it's a skill that is attainable and achievable, and it's defined in a specific way on how they kind of make it. So it's a way to look at it. I think uh, a lot of the masters, like Eric said, a lot of what d defines a master comes up like during getting to promos. Um, because if you're not a person who can fit into the culture, and, and, and loves the culture, you're not gonna make it to provost. And if you're not competent, you're not gonna make it to provost. So I really wish the master would focus on training coaches and developing the art and developing the culture uh, either interstate or internationally. You know, you essentially go from being a local ambassador to the art to an international ambassador in art, an international uh, person in the art. And that's, like, that's the sort of capstone because you already should have a good attitude that you share with people, a passion and skill. So. We are uh, we're starting to hit the end of the recording time for the podcast issue. 
uh, which means we spent almost an hour on the master rank right now. So I guess I'd say if there's anybody else who had something they wanted to add to that, now would be the best time. Um, otherwise, we might wrap our discussion on, on the master rank. Anybody? Nope? All right. Well, um, thank you so much, everybody, for your thoughts. I think this is a great discussion. I really look forward to seeing this um, moving on to the e-list. So uh, certainly, George, Gene, thank you for, for Skyping in for, for this aspect of it. Um, I, I certainly look for, uh, I don't know, we've never done this before, but Mr. Dean of the college, I would uh, make a motion that we move to define the rank of master. Um, yes, but prior to that, I would make a motion that we elect a new dean. So I'm tired of doing it. So, and if you look at our charter, actually, yeah, I was going to bring this up. Your term is up like Yeah, my term is up like ago. two years ago, so it's time for something else. So. Tired of doing it. You have two votes? <laughs> All right, this has been All Things Hemo with Aaron Penenberg, a special edition. Uh, from the HFA Leadership Conference in New Glarus, Wisconsin. Thank you for listening. Everybody say bye. Bye! bye. bye.